Tell us about this transformation, that moment of clarity and what you actually did about it. And what we, once we get some traction, actually doing something about it. Well, um, the moment was, you know, I went into this rehab and I still, I still wasn't, you know, I, I, I didn't have hope, you know, like I said, you knew me. Um, I was very hopeless. I, I didn't think that, you know, anything was going to work for me. And, and I remember this gentleman came in and, um, just like you did, um, for a, another program. And, and I remember him sharing how, like, he, you know, he had went to prison for, uh, selling cocaine and, you know, and how he had, you know, had a doctorate degree in his field of study now, and he made six figures a year legally. And, um, you know, and, and I really didn't hear nothing before nor after I heard six figures a year legally. <laughs> and, um, but that is all I needed to hear. And for the first time in my life, and he talked about how his first sponsor was from Baltimore, Maryland. Mm. So to hear that you make six figures a year legally and you mentioned Baltimore, Maryland, he had me hooked. And, um, I, I remember, you know, and I talked to him. And, um, and I had went away for a, you know, a good fair of months after that. And, um, but I remember always having, you know, said hope that if he could do that, so could I, um, you know, my relationship with my kids never did blossom to the, the relationship that I've always wanted. It's, it's, it, it, it's a formidable relationship. Um, but it never did blossom to the one that, um, I believed it was going to be when I, when I got clean, um, they were the reason I got clean and, you know, and it, but, uh, you know, so, and, and they were my driving force. And then somewhere along the line, um, you know, the, my behaviors and the way that I thought started to change. And when the, my behaviors and the way that I thought started to change, um, you know, the reasons why I do what I do started to change. And it wasn't all, all, about my kids anymore. It was about me wanting to be a better man and me wanting to, you know, to do something one day that at least my kids could say, that's my dad. And I'm proud of him. Um, you know, and, and I recently, I, I have another, you know, seven year old boy, um, now since, since I've been clean who, um, you know, quite frankly is, is, is my reason for living. And, you know, he's my driving force and, uh, and um, I didn't know on a live podcast you could get me to get choked up, um, but you managed like you know whenever I speak about him and 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 my kids and you know what they mean to me, and uh, you know there's times that I, you know we were talking before the show about little things of depression and there's times where because it didn't turn out the way that you know you know we have this glorious vision of what it's going to be and you know and um because it hasn't exactly turned out to be that glorious vision. It's still a lot better than it was. When I give talks, I talk about uh, the 12 step program. That's all about behavioral change. Absolutely. All about behavioral change. It, it's it's all about you. It's all about digesting large chunks of truth about yourself. Well, I need to learn about myself. Um, and, 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 you know, and that's what that was, <sighs> That's what that was dedicated to. Um, and, and that's, you know, what I found out, you know, was that um, I need to look at all parts of me. And, um, you know, we're real good at talking about how I'm a very, you know, I have a sense of humor. And how, we're real good at talking about our assets. 
but um you know real change comes from looking at our our, our liabilities and real change comes from you know uh, a very strong self acceptance of who we are and um and a lot of that is diagnosing the ugly side it is scary to look at and um but you know i i found out at a very a very early time in my recovery that it was imperative that I, I look at that ugly side for what it was worth. And, um, and if I didn't, and if I didn't accept that ugly side of me, um, then I was never going to be able to work on it. And, um, so there was the things that I, that, that I did, yeah, you know, I, I can honestly tell you, I truly believe that the, you know, putting the drugs down was the easy part. Um, if you'd have told me that before I would have put the drugs down, I would have never guessed that that would have been the easy part because I couldn't do it for so long. Well, there's a thought in the world that when we start using addictively anything, then we stop growing emotionally. And those thoughts and feelings don't trickle out of the faucet. They explode. And they're difficult to deal with unless we have some help with them. You remember the Ghostbusters movie? Sure. Do do you remember when he cracked the safe and the one ghost had trouble getting out of it? <laughs> but as he got out, it cracked the safe a little bit more. So then two ghosts wiggled out of it. And as they wiggled out, the crack got a little bit bigger. By the time it was all said and done, the ghosts were just flooding through the hole. That's my emotions when I got clean. Um, you know, one would pop up and it would be so overwhelming and, you know, and then all of a sudden here comes another one. And then before you know it, um, I have so many coming at me at one point in time, um, that, you know, uh, thank God for them saints that work in them treatment facilities, because sometimes the bears that they deal with, you know, um, during, during them first periods of recovery, you know, uh, and, and, and. And I say this, if you're listening, I, I, I don't say this to scare you, but to hopefully give you some hope that like I was able to get through that. But um, I don't think them scary ghosts went away for the first year. Mm-hmm. Really? They were always coming, man. And um, and it was an overwhelming experience at times. And I there was just be times where floods of emotions would come over me and, and I would just break down like, you know. In, in front of people, which in the beginning of the show, we talked about not being able to, that was so foreign to me to cry, especially in front of a, a, a group of men. Um, I remember being in this facility for, you know, for people of the uh, locked away, you know, um, environment and, um, and I remember sharing how I was molested as a kid, and I didn't plan on sharing that. Uh, you know what I mean? I definitely didn't plan on sharing it in the environment in which that I was sharing it in. And um, But it was a flood of emotion that I had suppressed for so long as a child that um, and, 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 and growing up almost as to forget that it happened, that uh, it came out without my uh, approval. Yeah. And I remember standing around staring and looking at everybody and saying, I don't know if this was the right place for that to come out. And what I found out, Jim, was I had about six um, tough guys. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I had about six tough guys that didn't come up to me all at once. They came up to me privately. But um, 
you know, I've never forgot those six tough guys, but every last one of them came up to me and they all said, me too. And I, and I, I think for in the recovery field, it, I think it's more common theme for men to have those experiences than they'd like to admit. A lot of our issues are sometimes directly related to past trauma as well. Oh, yes. Yes. But, um, you know, and it, but that was the big thing for me, Jim. It was learning how to deal with these emotions. It was learning how to not run when these emotions came. It was it was learning how to try to channel the emotions in, in a more productive manner as to not like cause more harm to, to people, because that's that's what I did my whole life. When I'm hurting, I cause harm to other people, because if I'm hurting, you're going to hurt with me. Hurt people, hurt people. Absolutely. So. And it's difficult for us to do this by ourselves. Well, oh yes, yes. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny. I was at an establishment last night, and one of the things that you know came up, and a lot of people were sharing how they were they were they were struggling. They were struggling emotionally, and um, the common theme from the people who were struggling was, "I quit coming," and um, I quit surrounding myself with you people, and um. You know, and I went through a lot of trials and tribulations, you know, over over my time that I've tried to change my life. But one of the main factors is I've always surrounded myself with like-minded people. I've always surrounded myself with people in recovery. It's always to be good with people who you don't have to explain yourself to. And they're not saying, well, why did you do that? Right. Because they understand. Yes. You know, if we share, it is funny because our thoughts, um, my thoughts are still horrendous at times. Mm-hmm. My actions might not mat, uh, match my thoughts, but, um, you know, and, and I think people are waiting for that to go away. And, um, and I can only speak for myself, but I'm not sure that it ever goes away. Our thoughts are just thoughts. Right. Just because we have a thought doesn't make it true. And this, this, this frightens people and it scares them, but we have to understand that we still have that addictive part of ourselves. You know, the funny part is like, when you know, when we change, we tend to change the world around us too sometimes. And we have an impact. We always have an impact with the people that we, that we encounter. It, it's either positive or negative. One way or the other, we're going to impact them in some form or fashion. And, um, and I had this probation officer when I, when I first got clean and, and, um, and I remember I probably shared a lot more truth with him than I've ever, than I've, I should have, but, um, I was learning this new thing called like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and I remember sharing with him how we were in a bank and a guy came in and he cashed this and I was really broke. And, um, he cashed this $2,500 cashier check or whatever. I forget what it was. It was so long ago, but I remember thinking to myself, when he gets in the alley, he's in deep stuff. <laughs> and, um, and I remember sharing this with my probation officer, you know, and, and the only thing my probation officer said was, did you call somebody? You, you know, you know who that somebody is. Yes. And I said, uh, yes, I did. And he said, good. You know, this probation officer didn't understand addiction mm-hmm. before he encountered people like me and you. Yeah. And, and you know, we, they, you, telling a probation officer you thought about robbing the guy next to you in the bank usually sends them through a whirlwind of emotions. Oh, sure. 
and um and and it didn't. So I, I think I that moment early on in, in, in my my recovery taught me that uh, one honesty is always the best key, um and, and two that we're going to impact people and we're going to help them see a different um side. Honesty wasn't a language that we usually spoke very no. well. No, my, the language I spoke was whatever it is you want to hear that's going to get me what I need to get, that's what you're going to hear. So what you're talking about, Will, is quite often we talk about the five, I always try to introduce the five-minute rule to people. And that means that, you know, you can have a thought, but what we ask you to do, wait five minutes before you act on that. Wait five minutes before you buy that shiny thing. Wait five minutes before you send that text. Wait five minutes before you respond or pick up that drug or the slot machine handle or the drink. Uh, that urge is never, ever strong. So what we try to do is help people develop that pause before reaction. I think what I do is erase the message 900 times. <laughs> but I type it out every time. Oh, oh yeah. And, um, but, but yeah, I just don't send it. You know, it's almost like journaling. I get my thoughts out, but I just don't hit send. Um, when I'm dealing with people and they say they're afraid to tell the other people, I have urges, I have cravings, I have this, because they're afraid they'll stick them back right back in a rehab. But I, I let them know, I says, you're allowed to have them. It's just that understand that that's all they are. Well, correct. And like you said, you know, at some point I forget when, you know, in the interview, it's just a thought, and um, thoughts don't have power. We give them the power, you know. Um, how we react to the thought is is you know generally the problem or the solution. One and or the that's other. your choice, right? You know, and that's and that's what it's what happened in the beginning of the show. We talked about that. We talked about that before the show started. You know what I mean? We talked about it in the middle of the show. And um and at the end, like why why we're still doing what we're doing, it's gonna be the end result for that too. It's all about choices. Our purpose is to carry the message. And quite often will what we say to people, I know you've said this before, people come up to us and say, Well, I don't know what to do. Well, I don't know what they should do either. However, I'll guarantee you you know what not to do. Right. You know, um we and that's why we share our experiences with people because if, if we've gone through the same thing, then we can, we can, but, um, I personally refrain from telling you what you should and shouldn't do, especially, um, I'm not a doctor. Well, I'm not going to tell you how to get through a surgery. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm not, um, I'm not going to have something health related come down on my conscience because I tried to tell you something that I'm not educated in. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, you know, and, and that's the things that like people like you taught me, you know, if it's not your experience, I'll give advice. Advice kills people. Oh my gosh. Yes. Generally when somebody speaks from advice that it comes from ego. Yes. Yes. You know, um, but the experience, all right, this is, you're feeling like that. Okay. Me too. Or, um, no, I haven't gone through that, but I know Jim has, why don't you go talk to Jim? Um, and, and those are the things that, that, you know, that's how we help. And, you know, I, one another, one of the topics last night was, you know, it, it was all about 
goodwill, you know, and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I've been bit a lot by people, you know, hurt people, hurt people, you know, um, but one of the things I've never stopped doing is helping the next person, you know, and, and there's always this story about helping the snake, pulling the snake from the, from the fire. Well, the, you grab the snake, pull it out the fire, it bites you. Well, obviously you drop it and it falls back in the fire. Well, what is your next thing to do? You reach back down and pull it back out the fire, you know, and, and they say, well, well, why did you, why did you, why did you still help the snake after it bit you? Well, the snake's nature is to bite. You know what I mean? My nature is to help. I'm never going to stop helping people because you bite. When we ask, is, is it the right thing to do? Absolutely. Is it the right thing to do? We Life's really simple. We make it very complicated. So quite often on this show, what we try to impress upon people is that they're spiritual beings and they happen to be having a human experience. And we get so attached to this human experience, to people, places, and things. And that life's absurd, Will. It's amusing. It, it is. We can't. We, we try to put order on chaos. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Uh, so tell us about your life today. Tell us about the action and effort that you put into it, uh, that behavioral change that you had. So tell us about your life today. Well, um, it's nothing special. Um, it's far more than I ever would have bargained for. Um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's still the same. Um, and that's a blessing. Um, I think that, you know, for me, like, I'm glad that I don't feel like I've catapulted, you know what I mean? To, to something different. Because um, it keeps me grounded and it keeps me where I know that I need to be. Um, yes, I've, you know, I've done things with my life that I didn't, you know, I didn't um, think was ever possible. Um, but I don't really like talking about them, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I don't like really drawing too much attention to the things that I do outside of the realm of uh, mm -hmm. helping others achieve a better way of well, life. Sure. Um, well, do, are you worried when the phone rings? No. Are you worried when there's a knock at the door? No. Okay. Do um, you do you believe that you're confident in the decisions you make? Absolutely. Okay. Do you believe that you treat people with courtesy and respect? Uh, most of the time. Okay. I'm human. Okay. Do you have a... $2 to buy yourself a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I think this whole interview is the longest I've gone without drinking coffee. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to grab a cup when I leave. Um, I know that like if I need to stop and get gas, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Um, I know that if either one of the exes call me, um, you know, about the children, I'm going to be fine. Um, it isn't always as much as I would like. Um, but Generally, and even when life gets a little strenuous and, and, and I still can't always pay the bills in full, um, I'm never stressed. Are you showing, are you showing up? Absolutely. Are you showing up in life? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's funny that you said that, um, because I often talk about how I felt like, you know, I portrayed this tough guy growing up. And, um, and how like, you know, my view of a tough guy 
was the guy who would fight at the drop of a hat, you know, and um, I, I won't fight at the drop of a hat. And, and I'm a tougher guy now than I've ever been in my whole entire life. Because when life shows up, I don't run. And I used to run every time life showed up. When school wasn't idea, run. I quit. You know what I mean? Well, when the when I don't like my boss, because I really, you know, it has nothing to do with the boss, but I don't feel like getting up for work every day. So I'm going to make an excuse that I don't like the boss. And he said something to me, you know, even though his job as the boss is to tell me what to do, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm going to run. And, that, and that's what my life was. I was l- literally a punk my whole life. And um, I don't believe that I'm a punk anymore. I, I don't believe that, that um, I don't think that life is as overwhelming as it used to be. Well, quite, quite often we have help people understand the difference between arrogance and confidence. Arrogant people, no one wants to be around them. Confident people attract people. So, Will, what would you have to say to some younger, older people out there who are sitting there thinking, boy, this sounds like pie-in-the-sky stuff. Uh, this sounds great. Uh, how does that apply to me? Well, I thought so, too. Um, and, and it applies to anybody who's willing to work for it. And, um, you know, and and... Is it going to happen for you if you just wish? No. Um, can it happen for anyone? Absolutely. But it's, you know, I, I love the saying, you know, um, you know, somebody said, you know, well, I don't know that that's going to work for me. Um, you know, you're right. And, you know, the person who says, well, I know that that could work for me. You're also right. You know what I mean? So it depends on what, you know, this is, it's about action and effort, whatever, how much action and effort we're going to put into it. That's what we're going to get out of it. And um, if, if, if they really don't believe that it it can work for them, then it's not going to, because they're not going to put forth the effort. But if you firmly believe that it's going to work for you and you're willing to put the effort in, I guarantee you it could work. I, you know, I failed at this seven times because I was never willing to put the work in, you know, and, um, I, I still fail, (laughs) so to speak. Um, but not like I did because I don't give up anymore. Um, I don't give in anymore. And like I said, when life shows up, like I show up too. like I, life does not defeat me anymore. Um, you know, I, I take blows. Life dishes out some blows sometimes, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm built to take a hit, you know, you're it's, resilient. It's a 12 round fight and you're not knocking me out in the first round. Taking a licking and key one take. Absolutely. Like Timex watches. Absolutely. So you talked about action and effort, Will, and I think we'll kind of end with this. This is a story we've told often. I'm sure I've told it, uh, the time that we were up at the place where I met you and, uh, there was a person that. Prayed to win the lottery every day. <clears throat> Sweat blood. Just prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing ever happened. And they got so angry that they went outside and they yelled up at this guy. They said, God, why won't you let me win the lottery? And God called back down and said, could you meet me halfway and at least buy a ticket? Absolutely. So the idea is about buying a ticket. And it sounds like you've bought 
the ticket into your life. Yeah. I, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then I, you know, at some point realized like he's only going to give me what I meet him halfway for. Absolutely. Do our part. Other people will do theirs. And to all of our brothers and sisters, and I think I can speak for Will, all of our sisters and brothers in recovery out there, uh, we're all very, very proud of you. And that comes from the bottom of, of our hearts. So at the end of every podcast, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your televisions and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself. Do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste. I love you, brother. Love you too, Jim. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.